White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can put it on the board. Yeah. It's a perfect game. Renato, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. That is my last name, Lawrence, spelled backwards, 2-3 for Robin Ventura. Chris Tannehill is at his name, Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on YouTube, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And thank you for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On Socks is free and available on all platforms. Just like I said, YouTube at Locked On Socks. There is where you can follow us. Hit the subscribe button and maybe hit the notifications too. 312-566-8727. The way you can leave a voice message, that is Harold Baines, AJ Przinsky, Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, uh, Bo Jackson. I forgot it for a second. Bo Jackson, Carlton Fist, Tim Anderson. 312-566-8727 or locked on socks at gmail.com. A lot of those today. Tim Anderson. God damn. I feel so sorry for this team. Like, uh, hey, I, you know what? You're spot on, Herb. Uh, I feel I feel sorry for Sox fans because you've been strung along all season. We Fuck. you got a raw deal uh with with this manager selection and i'm not going to blame all this on tony i'll get to that in a second got a raw deal with this manager you felt great about this team going into spring training going into the off season uh get that bitter taste in your mouth from last postseason and the loss to the a's and you figure that was uh, enough that was a a starting point a building block on what was going to be uh, several years of success in the playoffs and this series is far from over we'll get to that in a second as well but i feel so bad because you wait you wait you wait you endure the the struggles and just hanging with the team every day through the injuries and the, the the decisions made by the manager, the corner cutting by the ownership, and you you wait through all that, and at the end of the day, you still got a team that's in the postseason after winning their division, and then you sit there and you watch a game, and you got Jim Cott, Buck Showalter, and Bob Costas uh, on there. And that's how you have to consume your postseason baseball. And Jim Cott with his, uh, uh, you know, racist double talk there, uh, his dog whistling when talking about Yuan Moncada. We're not going to get to that. It's not the type of show we do. But I'm just sorry for Sox fans that you got to sit there and, and watch that. You, gotta, you had to watch that result. You had to watch those decisions that were made or not made during the course of that ball game. And you have to watch the product and the way it was packaged up and, and regurgitated to you. It's, it's a damn shame. And I do believe in my heart of hearts, I'll get, get this out of the way now, that uh, the, the best is yet to come for this team. It's a frustrating day. This is one of the worst days I can remember being a, a White Sox fan. When you think about the expectations coming into the, to this postseason, I felt pretty good. As a matter of fact, game one thought it went exactly how I thought it was going to go. I thought the Sox were going to bounce back. And they did. It just got away from them, and they, they weren't able to come away with the victory, but they are coming home. But I'm just uh, – it's a bad day for White Sox fans because I can't remember the last time I was this 
uh, emotionally invested after a loss. I was extremely emotionally invested after the, you know, the, uh, the corn game. I think the corn game with Tim Anderson's walk-off was one of the great nights of our White Sox fandom. And for, for those youngsters out there who listen to our show, who weren't around during 2005, and barely remember 2008. Shit, we've got people that work at the, at the score that are, that are around that age, you know. So for mm-hmm. them, that was one of the great moments of, of their White Sox fan life. And I think about those kids and what a miserable existence it is because they never even got to experience the winning. They never got to take the train downtown and see the parade and see everyone in the city unify as as Sox fans and, and enjoy one of the great days, the great 24 hour time periods in my life and next to my daughter being born and my being married to my wife it's right up there man and people that never got to experience that so they wait their whole adult lives and they have to get to this point and see the uh the the the, the, this this the game here the way it played out i won't even say the effort i'm not going to criticize the effort from from everyone and i do have some guys here on my list but i'm just sorry that Sox fans had to uh, sit through that game and the way it was presented to them and the way the, the manager made some of his moves on the field there didn't lose because of coach Tony, but uh, he certainly didn't help it here. And we're going to get to your voicemails in a second, but we are brought to you by Spotify green room, download the Spotify green room app and find one of our locked on rooms. I took a walk tonight, Herb. I walked down to my local Culver's uh, about hmm. 20 minutes each way. And I got myself a, a, a sadness malt. I ate my feelings tonight <laughs> and my wife made a wonderful dinner uh, a sausage and peppers and potato bake, uh, just delicious. And then uh, I still felt I needed to take a walk and clear my head because I've been, I feel like I've been stuck behind uh, these two monitors and this mixing console, whether it's working for the score, doing the full go show with Jason, doing this show with you. I can feel like I'm always behind a desk here. So I wanted to get out, get some fresh air, go get a nice chocolate malt. And oh boy, it was delicious. I had to clear my head after that one, man, because that was Again, a, a really bad day for Sox fans. You and I experienced it together in the control room and the score studios in downtown Chicago. We first guessed uh, pretty much all these moves along the way, and we're going to get to those in a second. But just a, a bad day, man. That That's where I begin before we get into these voicemails. Yeah, um, I don't recall a day like this. I was just. The high was really high, you know, going up in those three runs you had in, what, in the fifth inning. I was like, all right. Four to two, we're solid. We got Lucas going back out for the fifth. If he runs into trouble, they'll have Michael Kopeck ready, whatever. We'll be ready to go. And then that inning in the seventh where just everything went wrong. Everything came back. I praise people that now are bad at baseball again. It's just, just deflating to know that you've put all this stock in this team and they went out. It's not the effort, as you said. It's just Houston is better, but yeah. they're not that much better. Well, I had that. I th- thought to myself, I tried to shake my brain of White Sox thoughts. I put on my favorite podcast, Talking Sopranos, and they had Steven Van Zant on there, but I couldn't help. But, uh, you know, usually I, I let the conversation sort of take my mind away and let it forget about things. And, and, I, and, the, and the thought kept intruding. I was like, Houston is good. I think the Sox are more talented top to bottom. Now, Houston is a better baseball team. They're they're smarter. They're a better defensive team. They've been through the wars of the postseason. Now, granted, their entire empire may be built on bullshit uh, with, with the cheating scandal. Like there's, you know, I I will never not look at them uh, the, the same way again. And I'm not saying that they were cheating in this series, obviously, but you, you look, you, you just have that built in that's, that's baked into the way you view this ball club. But regardless of all that, 
they still put the ball, they put the put bat to ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And those balls seem to find holes, and that's what made it so frustrating. But they—I don't think they're more talented than the Sox top to bottom because that bullpen of theirs is pretty much trash, and their their starting rotation, other than McCullers, is you know solid. But I think the White Sox can best them there too. But what the difference here is the defense, uh, maybe a little bit of luck along the way, but putting the bat on ball uh, in, in in key spots, but. I just think the Houston is a much better baseball team than the White Sox are. Now that they didn't, it took them a while to get there. When after they built this thing up, they went through a lot of years of losing, and this core has been together for a long time. So maybe it just takes a while to get to that point because this Sox core ha- hasn't had the chance to play a lot of ball together as a whole. When you when you talk about the veterans that were added in, and then the the, the nucleus of the young core, the pandemic shortened season may have you know altered that growth a little bit. Like we talked about 2020 as a season where you sort of uh, it's like, you know, putting your, your, your expectations and your, and your trajectory as a franchise, putting that like in an air fryer, you know, you know, and, and accelerating the cook time on it and hoping to get a playoff experience that is, that is equal to one of a full 162 uh, and then a full postseason series. It just wasn't the same though. And I think this team still has a long way to go in terms of being a, a good team on the field together uh do you agree yeah and i mean maybe the realization maybe we pump them up in our heads as white Sox fans myself included way too high like we're thinking okay and yes the series is not over we got home games coming and we can win those next two home games but i just find it really hard to believe to winning three in a row i mean you got some stats on that later but it's just the realizations like golly like we were up we felt good and then Houston just snapped their fingers and we got beat by five and it was we looked bad doing it like if we get beat by you know Lucas goes out and deals their guy goes out and deals and we lose three to one I'm good I don't like it but I'm like we gave it our all I don't think we have given our all as yet and people throughout and there's one Allison footer who writes for MLB Dot com is like uh, White Sox are a mediocre team that won a mediocre or shitty division and they shouldn't be in this game because they play shitty defense and the series will be quick. I always want to shove it up her giggy, not figure figure, not literally figuratively yeah. with a good White Sox team that I've seen play, not just versus bums. They've played this Houston team up in Chicago very well, beating them two out of three times. That's what the team I want to see. We haven't seen that team yet. And so maybe the realization of our season might be over after three games. And it's like all that buildup, all that winning, all that stuff we did. And we pretty much landed at the same spot we were last year. I know last year was the wild card round. It was only best of three, but it doesn't feel any better to win and lose in this round. If we lost in the ALCS, I would feel much, much better. This is just uh, just so terrible. Yeah, well, it's about taking steps, right? Like, you know, you, you get bounced in the first round, but you didn't even have a home game. So you, you figure you want to take at least one step and advance one series, right? Maybe the step was winning the division. I, I don't know. But you, you want to take a step. And so far, they, they haven't really. They proved that they met the expectations of, of winning. And it is a bad division, but it's still a very hard thing to do. They won it handily. It's not like they, they backed in and were barely over 500. This is a good team over the course of the year, and they've had some impressive wins along the way. And, you know, it's just, oh, man, 
it's just it's it's so maddening and and i think i i, I was my head was spinning my head's still kind of spinning after this one and right now we sit here it's about 10 o'clock central time this game's been over for five hours now and i think i just have to go back to what i've been saying this whole time i you know i sometimes i you know i've been the 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 rock that people lean on for logic and comfort and calm. Uh, but that was hard for me after that one today until my, my dad called uh, and, and my, I talked to my dad for a little bit and uh, he was listening to the score today and listening to us talking about the game. And, you know, he just, he, he shared some thoughts and uh, you know, it, it gets back to, you know, the narratives about the manager. You can keep that. You know, everyone had this idea about the defense was going to kill him. I, I don't think it's been the defense that's killed him. We, there are a couple of things on my on my notes here that I want to get to. But overall, this this transcends whatever era the game is in. You cannot issue the free pass to any team, really, especially a good team like the Astros and expect to come out on top. And it, that, that's been the story of this series is these walks, the leadoff walks leading to these big runs. And Farmer used to say, you know, walks breathe life into a dying offense. Well, if the offense isn't dying, what about if they're if they're full on, uh, if they're full of life as it is, and then you're, you're granting them the, the free pass, that's a recipe for disaster right there. And I think we shouldn't miss all, we shouldn't miss that when we talk about all these other things that are, that are floating around. Uh, but should we take time out and then get some voicemails? I don't know how long we're going to go here. We're already 15 minutes in, and we have a game on Sunday, so you guys will have a couple days to digest this episode, so I don't mind going a little bit long tonight. So should we get to the voicemails after a timeout, Herb? Let's do it. All right. We'll take a quick timeout, get to your voicemails next here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Don't you love freedom of choice? That's what we love about this country, right? Well, it's no different at BuiltBar.com. They have so many different delicious flavors for you to try. There's something for everyone. Every Built Bar fan that I know, they've got their different favorite flavors. I have mine. Herb has his. Mine, of course, German chocolate. Thankfully, I still have a surplus here from the last time I ordered them. I'm down about 25 pounds now. Thanks to our friends at Built Bar. I've been replacing a lot of those bad sugary snacks with Built Bars, and it's made all the difference. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut, Cherry barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and of course, German Chocolate. So if you haven't tried all these great flavors, great way to get introduced to something new is mix it in. Get a mixed box of Built Bars. That way you can try something new along with the flavors that you already love. So when you get the mixed box, you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And best of all, they're not only delicious, they're also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein in each bar calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and just four to five grams of net carbs per built bar all delicious all good for you order today built bar the official protein bar of u.s track and field go to builtbar.com and use our promo code lock 15 and that's going to get you 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com Betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's slide it up here. These We have the voicemail connected to our cell phones. And after that uh, inning with Kimbrel and Crochet, we saw them start to pour in. And here's the uh, first one that we got. Hey guys, this is Mike from Chicago. Well, it's time I think Han shakes this up this offseason because the Hall of Fame manager that you just had to have 
has gotten clowned in these first two games hmm. with bad decisions after bad decisions after bad decisions. Crochet in a second game in a row, an inexperienced, not good pitcher gets bombed. His switch with Garcia in right field, bad decision. Every positioning was awful in this game. And it's just, we got a soft team here. This is a soft team. They, 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 they're, oh, I'm just disgusted with this performance. Sorry, guys. You don't, have to apologize, you don't have to apologize for that because there's a lot uh, worse coming here. So we, we thank you for the call, uh, of course, Mike. But there's a, there's a lot more where that came from, and it gets a lot saltier, I'll say that. But uh, what say you, Herb, about the manager uh, taking the brunt of this one here? You know me. I don't It. <laughs> I don't know what you could have done. I mean. Well, let's walk what? it back. We, we first guessed the Lucas Giolito thing. Well, yeah. Um, we were talking like, you know, uh, Herb and I play manager and bench coach uh, in the score control room after Lucas comes out of that fourth and he gets on, he gives it the walk, but he comes out of it unscathed that we had the conversation. All right, what are you doing here? Are we letting Lucas come back out? And what did I say to you? Are we coming out here with Kopech? Is Kopech your first man out? And then uh, you say, no, I'm going to let Lucas uh, take this inning here. And I said, you know what? All right, you've, you've talked me into it. I was not dead set either way. My gut was definitely Kopech first man out in that situation, but I've got no problem with letting uh, Lucas uh, try and finish that situation there, uh, you know, and not bring in Garrett Crochet of all people. Who, look, by the way, Garrett Crochet had a nice season, finished with a 2 8 2 earn run average, and he finished the season strong. And this is a kid that was thrust into a major league clubhouse after playing only a few innings of college ball in 2020, and the arm held up. Remember how that wild card series ended where where we thought maybe, oh, God, this guy's going to have the TJ and he's not even going to be on the team for 2021. And he, he mm-hmm. bounced back and he had a hell of a season and he finished strong. So all this miss me with this Garrett Crochet is not good nonsense. Like he he had a good season and he's my first lefty out of the pen. But I just don't know if he was my first arm out of the pen in that situation. Yeah, um, if I'm going to the pen there, I'm probably going like you said. Michael Kopech. I was 100% fine, as we discussed, with uh, Giolito starting that fifth inning on a short leash. You know, when he walks Altuve, maybe you get somebody up. And then he looks strong versus, I think, uh, Michael Brantley strikes him out or gets him to get out somehow. And I was like, all right, cool. He's re- found himself. He's, re- he's back in the groove, but still wanted somebody up in the bullpen, namely Michael Kopech, to go in there and shut the door down. And yeah, you could say Tony screwed up by not putting Michael Kopech and having him in your pocket. What do you have him in your pocket for? If he's never going to pitch, you know, you have the next game, but you can't wait until the next game to uh, have this person out there. But the White Sox are in a bad situation. Their pitcher that has carried them, one of the pitchers that's carried them most of this year, Carlos Rodon, is a question mark. And I don't know if he wants to throw Dylan C's. I would 100% throw Dylan C's game three. But they're thinking about, okay, Carlos Rodon starts game three. He sucks. Who do we have that can go multiple innings? Michael Kopech. So the last thing we want to do is bring in Michael Kopech in this game and then maybe not have him available on Sunday. I understand that that logic there. Like I said, it's the process of thinking what you're what you're doing more than the results. Yeah, the results weren't favorable. White Sox are up four to two. They leave that in tied up at four. So you'd say Tony fucked up. 
go to the seventh inning, same thing. I don't have a problem with him starting with Aaron Bummer there. I said you could have started the inning where Tapera was starting. Uh, sorry, I said it wrong, Danny. Yeah, let me correct you on that one. Tempura. He start, I wanted him to start the inning versus Altuve. He didn't. They had Bummer in there. And, of course, Bummer does Bummer things. I feel he so bad for Aaron Bummer, man. He's got an ERA now of 81, and he yeah. threw three ground balls. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, he did his job. He induces weak contact in singles and ground balls. And the one bounced and, off his shoulder, didn't it? Kind of ricocheted a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Or the glove, you know. All but, up the middle. Yeah. All the hits are right up the middle. I One time when somebody hit it, I don't know who it was. I was like, all right, here we go. Four, six, three. Nope. They're playing them way shifted to the left. And, you know, what can you do that? You if you want to gripe on Tony for not shifting those guys, that's on you. But then the other times you'll say, oh, why didn't why we shift? We could have had a a easy out there if the shortstops where he's playing. You know, these things are always results based. So I have no problem. I want players to do their jobs when they're out there. Yes, that ball was a rocket off the bat of Carlos Correa, a right fielder makes that play. And there you could say, okay, why did he do that? Why did he take Lurie Garcia and place him in right field and have Carl, uh, uh, Cesar Hernandez play second? He wanted Cesar to get that at bat late in the game, like in the se- sixth or seventh inning. And so he wanted to leave Lurie in. And the only way to take leave him in is to put him in right field. You can gripe with him there. But it was a hard hit ball. But Lurie, as a right fielder, has to know you cannot be turned around. It wasn't routine, but I think a average right fielder makes that catch. A hard catch. You see, you, you've seen uh, Tucker make that catch that was hit rocket shot by Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, that was ooh, seventh inning, man. That could change the game right there. Uh, that yeah, was, so that, that's I don't like, blame him. Yeah, that's the essence of this series. Not you know, it just little things like that. I, I, I feel like the Sox hit a lot of hard hit balls right at people. I looked at the. Uh, I was watching baseball savant on, on the side when, when this game was going on. And I think the Sox had like at least uh, 12 of 18 of the hardest hit balls in that game. Yep. About halfway right through, now. Yeah. yeah. About halfway through the game, at least. And I'm sure that's where it finished. Um, and not a whole lot to show for just single, 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 you know, no extra base hits in two games. Like that is wild, dude. (laughs) Like, like that is just the randomness that I talk about that you have no choice, but to surrender to, you know, and that that's not even like an approach thing. Like I, I commended the Sox team during uh, the, the lean months where they were really shorthanded. I remember what I said, we, we had these shows like, man, I love this team's approach. They're not relying on the long ball. I think that's going to serve them well in the postseason. And then on the same guy who says, ball go far team go far but i think it's a combination of the two things knowing when and where to to kind of lock in and 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 look dead red and uh, and and go for broke but I, I you know i have no problem with the with the hitting approach i mean you, you you're able to 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 bang out let's see how many hits did they have they had 11 hits on only All four run, only four runs to show for it 11 singles and no extra base hits in either of these games so that's frustrating uh, about the liuri thing i was frustrated because Luis Robert was not hitting second in game one. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it beforehand, first guessed it. And then all of a sudden there he is hitting second in game two. So what made you realize that you, that, that was a mistake? You know, obviously you, you didn't think that was the right move in game one. So you corrected in game two, but then you made the same mistake of, of putting Leary out there again. I don't even understand why Leary has to be in this lineup at all. I, I know you got the lefty in, in Valdez out there, but Come on, man. I mean, you, you traded for Cesar Hernandez for a reason. Guy's got a little pop. He's got a better glove. 
Leary did make a nice play on a double play, but he also uh, booted one, not booted one, but he, he blew an opportunity to turn two uh, and, and ended up only getting one early on in that game there. And, you know, and then, of course, that, that, that play in, the, in right field, I don't understand why Leary's got to be in that game at, at that point, man. It's just it's it's frustrating. Um, let's yeah, get I think I, we were talking about it earlier, like when we had the crossover with the uh, Astros guys. We went position by position and they dominated us like they dominated us. The best player on the field we have. That's Luis Robert. That's bar none. He is the best player maybe in this whole tournament. He is the best, but we went position by position and they have better players at every single position than we do, except for Luis Robert for the most part. And it's very frustrating. It's not a huge gap, though, is what no, I'm no, saying. No, you know, yeah. no, but then you, you know, it, but it falls off the table when you're doing right field and right. it's Tucker versus Engel or Tucker versus Lurie Garcia. If you go to second, Tuve versus Garcia yep. or Tuve versus Hernandez, like those fall off the table and that's where you lose it. The only position that we have a clear cut favorite, I mean, it's besides Luis Robert is catcher. And whew, friends, he had a tough day today. Yes, Yo, yes man. Uh, yeah, yes, had that pass ball moving the runners over early on in that game. And uh, they're able to get the runner in on a sack fly. And then, you know, later on in, in that inning, uh, on the pop out from Alvarez, he doesn't toss his mask away. And Yohan almost trips on his on his catcher's mask. Mm-hmm. And then on that play at the plate. Uh, ball caroms off his glove and, and would have been a would have been a close play. He would have been safe regardless. But then the ball trickles away from his glove. Like, I, you know, I've been sort of caping for Grandal all year. We love him. Why? Because he gets on base and he's and he's been hitting the cover off the ball heading into the postseason. And he really missed an opportunity on a great play, as we mentioned in the seventh inning there. But stuff like that. You look at Martin Maldonado, and you know he doesn't do a lot for you offensively. But the things that matter in a game behind the plate. He does all those things, keeps the running game in check, calls a good game, uh, doesn't let strikes bounce off his glove. That, and then all of a sudden those pitches are not called strikes because, oh, catcher can hang on to it. Then it, obviously not a strike. And I'm not I'm not quite at the level yet where I'm going to say I'd rather have Martin Maldonado over Yasmani Grandal. But in a fit of rage during that game, I said to you, I said, we got to make some changes, sir. We got to move Grandal to DH, get a real catcher in here. Maldonado is a free agent, by the way. Uh, at the end of the season, but they definitely need a more defensive oriented catcher. And if I'm Lucas Giolito, I'm pounding the table this off season. Like, yo, this is now two post seasons in a row. I know the numbers don't show it in, in this series here, but the guy went out and battled and he, he held up for an entire season, bounced back after having some adversity with the, with the sticky stuff and all that and, and bouncing back and, and, and being a really good pitcher again. He's got to pound the table like, you know what? I need a real catcher pack there. Um, and, you know, just Yaz is, is an offensive player. It's what it is. He, he does a great job with framing. But if you're going to walk the yards, <laughs> you know, what good what good does it do? And if you're going to, you know, uh, cost your team runs and cost your team extra bases, uh, then what, what good is it? But the Sox need to get an upgrade at catcher with a more defensive oriented guy. I don't know if that's bringing Lucroy back or, you know, throwing some dough at Maldonado. But yeah, man, it's it's a rough look out there for Grandal today. Yeah, uh, I mean, after me saying that he's better than Salvi, had a better offensive season, and I th- still stick to that. He struggled mightily today with the glove, and you just named the examples. It's just, I like the sacrifice fly. He got the job done when we needed to get the job done. Second and third, one out. 
put the ball in the air. You have Luis Robert at third. He'll score on any pop fly, mostly to the hit to the outfield. It wasn't even hit that far into the outfield. He got the job done there. But otherwise, he's been very disappointing in this series. Not just the results, but the balls he's taking and the cookies he's getting. I don't know. He's back in that passive early season mode that we were like, oh, what is going on with this dude? Is knee yeah. hurting again? And then he came off the IL and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. That's why he's he's a bargain. And yes, I still think that him signing the biggest deal in White Sox history is a bargain. Yeah, but we it was him. necessary at the time. Absolutely. We need him and he needs to step up here. He's in a position of RBI spot. Pick out one. Yes. Getting on base is important, but you're in a position of power and we need power we've got all singles ridiculous that's just oh like you know those people that call up small ball but singles no back and pennies hit the, the some bitch <laughs> off the ballpark that's how people win that's how people win in the playoffs that's how they put the, the ball out of the ballpark. Yep, that's how Houston put the game away today and we'll get to that in a second here uh, if it's our ray of sunshine it's mark here checking in hey chris and her mark in Litchfield park hey mark uh, Techna, cover your ears. Oh no, Techna. Fuck Craig Kimbrell. Oh Jesus. Fuck him. Oh Jesus. Fuck that guy. Oh no. Worthless. How many times? <laughs> Fucking worthless. Oh no. We only get one. <laughs> and you can't get magical back. Fuck this guy. Piece of shit. Wow. Now look here. I don't like that kind of talk. Now just stop it. It upsets me. Uh, who magical was trending? Who wants Nick Magical back? Everybody on Twitter. <laughs> so Ooh, I, we I, messed up. We messed up by trading Craig Kimbrell for Craig Kimbrell for Nick Magical. Come on, no one on trading deadline day was saying that. Not a person, not one. <laughs> I mean, actually, there's one. He's in my timeline. He's like, yes, I don't like this trade for the White Sox. But that was the only person. Unless you have receipts, send them to me. Actor Wall 23. You can't be mad at the trade. You can be mad at the results, but you can't be mad at Rick Hahn for what he did. I was fine. hundred percent. That's a deal. If the Craig Kimbrell shows up, that's 0.49 ERA. Hell yeah. It's a steal, but this guy showed up. It's not great, but you can't be mad at the trade. The results. Yes, you can. Um, I got something that's good. We have Mark followed up with a better call. I think Mark's a better guy than that. Uh, he did follow up, but listen to Craig Kimbrell. Uh, listen to Tony, Tony LaRussa, coach Tony, talk about Craig Kimbrell. This may make Mark even matter. Tony Kimbrell obviously has the resume, but got hit really hard today. What did you take from his outing, Craig? Yeah, I missed the first part of that. Oh, he has the resume, uh, but was hit really hard today. So I just wanted to know what your takeaway was from his outing today. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Craig. Kimbrell. Resume. Well, his resume speaks for itself. And sometimes, you know, he got behind a guy, kind of fastball over the plate against a double. Hung a break up once home run. But, uh, again, I mean, I hate doing it. You think I already went to. It's my explanation. You think it's an excuse. You know, he's a closer at heart. That's not his situation. But he willingly got ready to pitch, come in there and pitch. And, uh, uh, it's, it's it's a different situation. So he has his resume. I hope we give a you know we're in the, we are we're ahead on Sunday. I think you'll see what he's done his whole career. 
He's a closer, Herb. We all know that. At heart. The closer of the heart. Um, what the hell, man? You don't like the captain of our heart? No, that's fine. I love it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but closer at heart? Are you kidding me? Are you yeah. kidding me? I mean, after all this, after all the situations, if he's the closer at heart, maybe play him a closer every once in a while. Have a uh, a rotation of closers. And I'm sure Liam Hendricks has been cool with that. I think we talked about that early in the season. Like, have one of them be closer one day. The other one be closer the next day. Have Craig Kimbrell be the all-time closer and Liam Hendricks be the setup guy. I think both of them have been fine. I think we would have got better results out of that, maybe. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just a frustrating-ass day because I want Craig Kimbrell to succeed. I know you guys out there listening want Craig Kimbrell to succeed. I'm not so sure. I think people, like, some people believe in that, hey, X-Cub factor. Like, I was, mad, I was mad at him today, and I said some things on there about how I don't want them to pick up the, the option. That's silly. I was, was in the heat of passion, uh, but after being able to digest it a little bit, there's got to be a way to figure it out. He was he was broken and then put back together. The, that's to his problem, though. His inherent problem is he gets broken too often, and mm-hmm. it takes too much to put him back together again. So they They've got to figure it out. And the fact that they never did and they never gave him a real opportunity to be the closer and get in the right headspace. Tony screwed the pooch on that one. And now that's the situation we have here. Um, But Mark did follow up here uh, with uh, another call. Hey, Chris and Herb. I apologize for my previous outburst. No, who is this, by the way? Mark. Um, To you guys. Uh, Just, uh, (laughs) Just wondering what the hell is going on. I don't know. If the pitching's a mess, if the yes. manager's a mess and is yes. handling the bullpen, yes, I don't guys pressing at the plate, yes, walking the yard, yes, this is it, it couldn't be much worse. Um, it could. Sorry to say that, and I know I'm not a ray of sunshine, but <laughs> good no, grief, no. Man. Hey, I was hoping for just a little bit better. This is a shit show. And here I go again. So (laughs) thanks, guys. Well, the good thing is we're going to have to be super clean on Sunday after the postgame show on 6-7 to score. So you're probably not going to hear any swear words on the podcast on Monday morning. Uh, But Mark's got a lot of valid points there, man. I think it can get worse. Um, I know they advanced, uh, but you could win 106 games and be, and have to go through a playoff game against the Devil Magic Cardinals. That that to me, that's worse. Even though they did advance, like having to sit through that, like that would seem totally baseball fatalistic. But it it, it it's certainly a low point, no doubt about it. But this team's got some fight in in them, and I don't think we've seen the last of them. I, you know. It's all about sample size, right? We saw what this team was capable of and what they're made of. They've got guts. they got balls. And I think you'll see that on Sunday. Um, a couple more voicemails here before we uh, get out of here. Uh, this one's a bit of a, a lengthy one, but uh, let, me, let me clear the decks for, for audio here. Um, this is what Lucas Giolito said, and I think this sums it up perfectly after uh, the game today. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good bat to ball. You know, it looked like they were trying to shoot the ball a few times today. It worked out for them. It's just baseball. It goes that way sometimes. Yes, it does, Lucas. He's that way. <laughs> That's right. Next caller. Hey, guys. I guess I'll get in line here with the uh, the emotional catharsis. This is Eric in D.C. Uh, yeah, so there's so many things that they haven't, that they've failed to execute on in this series that it's almost impossible to keep track of, but 
along the way, they've proven all the narratives that none of us wanted to attribute to anything except meatheadery throughout the season, which is that they don't play well against good teams, teams over 500. They, they put the ball on the ground way too often. They ground into way too many double plays. Um, if they don't hit the long ball consistently, chances of success for the ball for the ball club go way down. Pitchers walk way too many hitters in the series. Um, Robert, T.A., Tito, they've been great. They've consistently performed to expectations. I'm going to give Yoan a little bit of a pass because he's played well defensively, but he's going to have to rediscover his power stroke next year. Um, the lineup itself needs it. Looking a little further afield, I think um, what concerns me is Grandall's going to be, you know, he's mid thirties. He's already had a knee surgery and we don't have any plan for the next catcher, let alone a backup right now. That's going to have to be addressed. If we lose Rodon, I don't know how you fill that in the rotation because I think they're going to have to try to move Keiko's salary to somewhere like Baltimore. Kopech. You move Crochet into the rotation with Kopech. If so, yes. you're, you're betting on a year where you're taking two kids into a rotation and hoping hoping they, they catch fire right away and they're ready for it in the middle of a contention window. There, there's just a lot of stuff that they're going to have to talk about, not the least of which is the way Tony managed this series. There's going to be a lot of people complaining about that. I'll enjoy watching the game, you know, the blackout game, but my expectations are considerably lower. But uh, I'm sure everybody else is going to have similar complaints. Try to keep my emotions in check on this one, but it is what it is. Let's handle the offseason. Go get somebody for second base. Go get a right fielder. We'll see you Amen. again. That's a really good call, Eric. And uh He's got a know, little Pennsylvania in him. Yeah, a little bit a little, little Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so that's real. We're we're going through that right now. Uh got me some peanuts and cracker jacks, am I right? Uh that's a really good call. A lot yeah, of that is is that's a call for when the season's over, uh, no doubt, but, uh, that we're just letting people vent here tonight. And, uh, there's a lot of poignant stuff in there. You know, that that's, uh, the crochet never got a chance to get stretched out this season. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the rotations in the cards for him next year, and we'll talk about this more in depth later on, but, uh, but Kopech is probably going to be in your rotation, even though you lose a dynamic weapon in your bullpen you can't afford, I, I don't think you can withstand losing two dynamic weapons in him and crochet, but I think you're going to lose one of them to the rotation Rodon. Who knows what's going to happen? I think a, a Rodon's going to make or lose a lot of money if he gets the chance to get the ball in uh, in game four. So we'll see where, where the chips fall after that or one. Game three. I hope not game three, man. I'm all with you. I'm with you. I'm team C's for game three. I think the stuff plays. I think he's earned it. And I think uh, it's not solely this decision, but like, you know, getting a young kid like that, uh, even though he seems like he's been here forever, but getting him some playoff experience. He didn't get to sniff that game last year. Uh, the, the play-in game, so or the uh, the, the winner-take-all game three there. So getting him some experience at home would be beneficial for his growth as a pitcher, and he's earned the right above all. He's pitching as good as anyone next to Lucas. So, uh, yeah, I want I want Dylan Cease out there in, in game three. All right, we got one more call here, and then uh, we'll wrap things up. Hey, Tanny and Herb. Hello. This is Fred from Avondale. 
Ready? As a White Sox meatball, I'm not ranting and raving. I'm not screaming. I just realized the truth. These first two games have been a checklist of the concerns that most of us have had about the team. The bad defense, the questionable managing, and hitting the ball on the ground way too much. The team hit a bunch of singles in these first two games. The one thing that has always cured those ills is home runs, which they have not hit. Now, this team has the ability to win three games in a row. It's, it's definitely possible. I hope they do as a, as a lifetime fan, but the team just needs to play the way that they like to play winning baseball, hitting the ball out of the park, hitting the balls in the gaps, getting some extra bases, getting some slugging. These have been team losses. You can't blame this on one person. You can't blame this. Antonio La Russa, he, it's, he's part of the, the issues, but the whole team takes the blame. The players didn't, haven't performed. Tony's made some questionable decisions. And I've heard these people jumping on Rick Hahn for the moves that he's made. And you have to be honest, his moves have not panned out. His moves have been failures. I, I'm not going to call Rick Hahn a failure, but the Kimbrel trade, the Cesar Hernandez trade, he can't even get like in the game. So this is a complete team and organizational failure to this point. They can definitely turn it around starting on Sunday. And I hope they do. Hope you guys have a good night. Thank you. That's another really good call. And I hope Fred from Avondale calls. I hope Eric calls us on Sunday during the post game, depending on what, you know, win or lose. I want to hear from you guys on Sunday. It'll certainly help us get through the show. And we want to, we want to connect with you guys because you guys have been an integral part of the show here. But yeah, Fred Fred nails it there. It's not on one person. It's not on Coach Tony. Uh, it's a team effort, to, for better or for worse. And as far as Rick Hahn goes, there, you know, I, I think the, the Cesar Hernandez thing. I think we we can say, you know, and not we could put it in pencil. You know, it's not not quite in bold type and permanent marker yet. But yeah, that that was not a, a good move, even if. Um, you know, the guy, the kid they traded to Cleveland for him, even if he never pitches an inning in the big leagues, this is not a good move because he was acquired before Adam Frazier was, was dealt. Correct. I think that timeline is correct. Like they were, they were out in front and getting a second baseman before the Padres got Adam Frazier. And I know it would have taken a lot more to get Frazier, but you saw that name pop up during the, the, the stats in, in the uh, MLB Network's broadcast today of contact rates in all baseball. And there's a couple Astros up there. And then there's Adam Frazier is, is, uh, is there as well. So, yeah, I think Caesar, you know, at the time, I thought it was a good move, but just has not played a good brand of baseball. And I, and I don't think it was right for Tony to not put him in the lineup. Like he's been the guy more often than not in the lineups over the 162 since he's gotten here. And, you know, I think he earned a chance to, to, to stay that guy, you know, and I, so I, that's one thing I, I disagree with the line of construction, but yeah, man, that's a, that's a good call right there. And yeah, I don't know what else to say at this point, Herb, just looking at my note sheet here, uh, the bottom of the order, you know, I don't remember if it was Eric or, or if it was uh, our, our last caller there, Fred, who mentioned just the, the guys at the top, TA, Pito, Lou Bob, you know, uh, th- these guys doing their thing, to, you know, carrying the load. But meanwhile, everyone else other than them after, after Grandal in the lineup, uh, three for 19 today, you know, so they left nine men on base. 
you can't do that. And, and I know there was a couple, you know, close plays there. You would have broken this thing open, but you can't leave nine men on base in a playoff game. You've got to get those runners over. You got to get those runners in. And when you have runners on base, that's when you hit the three run homer. You know, that's how you win postseason games convincingly. And that's when you can get all your relievers to come in with clean innings. And, it, and it's not so complicated when you just hit the ball out of the ballpark and they, they could not do uh, that today. So, uh, Take a quick time out and wrap it up. What do you say, Herb? Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever, folks. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Taking a look at Bears and Raiders line for this Sunday out in Las Vegas. Right now, the Bears are five-and-a-half-point dog on the road, over-under set at 45. I'm inclined to go under, but I think the Bears will cover. Justin Fields has looked pretty impressive in the early going here, and I think they'll find a way to cover. Not sure if they'll find a way to eke out a victory, but five-and-a-half seems way too much for a young QB on the come up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Let's remember this folks. One game left here. And I agree with our caller, Fred, you said I had some numbers here. I really did some number crunching here. Uh, the White Sox have won at least three games in a row, seven times in 2021. Mm -hmm. All right. So they are capable of a three game winning streak as any team in baseball is. And I believe it's 88% of teams who have taken the 2 0 series lead go on to win the series in the best of five. So 88% is pretty lofty, but it's not as crazy as you would think. Like still 12% is pretty high compared to where it used to be like 20 years ago. Right. Bigger than I thought it would be. Right. So, well, that's what she said. I've never heard that. Um, so Houston, by the way, uh, they've lost at least three in a row, seven times being so the same amount set lucky seven. So look, this, the, the, this team has still got some fight in them. And uh, here's what Tim Anderson said. Uh, he's been the leader all year. Here's what he said after the game today. Yeah, it ain't over. <laughs> you know, there's one thing about it ain't over and we still got a shot and, uh, you know, we're going to compete and we know our back against the wall. So, uh, you know, these guys are going to wake up and we're going to be ready to play. I think they will be, Herb. I'm not saying they're going to come back and win the series. I guess I have to say that because I picked them to win the World Series. But, you know, nothing would surprise me in this game of ours, man. Like with the, the bad luck that the Sox have hit into, they haven't done themselves any favors. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, and the, the sort of the, the the good luck, the 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 dribblers that have found holes, the little duck snorts that have found spaces in the outfield to drop down for Houston. Wouldn't surprise me if those things turn the other way uh, once you hit the south side. And I'm, and I'm glad Sox fans are going to get to experience at least one postseason game. It's it's not the deal you signed up for, but support this team, man. Don't bring this negative energy into the ballpark on Sunday. Have a good time. It's supposed to be a beautiful night. You're going to be on national television. Show out, man, and show Major League Baseball uh, what a good fan base we are, and I think you're going to come away with a White Sox winner, and you just take it one day at a time, man. I don't care about a winner-take-all at this point. I don't even care about what's going to happen with Rodon piggybacking in a game four. I don't care, man. Just win on Sunday, and we'll take it from there, Herb. That's that's all I got today. <sighs> I mean, you said it best, so I'm gonna let it go right there. That's that was, Chris. That was, that was that was that was a little that was cathartic. I think hearing from the people and sort of letting my thoughts spill out here. I felt I feel a lot better now than I did before. But 
still that this one's going to irritate me this game, but I, I do. I, I just, that's why I, I enjoy doing this show a lot. We're talking to you and talking to Sox fans and, you know, getting all that stuff out there. And oh yeah, clear emptying out the notepad. Andrew Vaughn's lost. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy that showed up early in the year, we're like, man, all right, I see what they're talking about. Now that's caught up with him, and the major leagues have caught up with him too. So a nice off season. He knows he can play in the majors and then just come back in and be ready to attack. So that's Chris Tanhill at Chris Tanhill, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23. And thank you for making us your first listen every morning. Locked on Sox is free and available on all platforms. Sunday night, baby. Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. We're doing a post-game show. So I don't feel good about it. Chris is putting a positive injury out of there. Yeah. So after the game, either if you're at home or you're at guaranteed rate, right after the game, you're walking down the rotunda and give us a call after the game. We'll put you up. We'll get your thoughts. You cannot swear on the air. <laughs> we only have a 14 second delay, so we can get two swears in there, but we'll pretty much cut you after the first one. So don't swear, you jerks. 312. 312- Six four four six seven six seven is that number. I gotta remember our own phone number. Three one two six four four six seven six seven is the scores phone number for our Sunday night post game. Right after the White Sox game, tune into us. Or we'll right after on. coverage of Kansas City Buffalo, where no, we're we're, com- we're interrupting that shit. <laughs> to, to be Sorry honest, with, yeah. To be honest with you, that Sox game probably won't be over. Like we'll probably sitting through. We'll be sitting through Westwood One post game, waiting for the Sox game to end. Realistically, the way these games have gone. Like that yeah. football game will be over by 1030, but I don't think that Sox game will. I mean, if the post game of that game ends, the football game ends. We can we'll cut out on of the that. air. Well, yeah, we'll be on the air. Yeah. Then and we might be giving you some uh, little play by play. So turn wow. on the game. We ain't doing that. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Not part we, of the, not part we, of the deal. <laughs> we didn't get express written consent. No, I have to get it. OK. <laughs> so, yeah. But Sunday night, man, looking forward to being there with you. And hopefully you guys check in with us. That'll be great. So, Chris. I'll see you on Sunday night for a White Sox winner. You said it. I don't feel it, but I'm going to go with you. So that's Chris. I'm Herb. Thank you for listening to Locked on Sox.